the work I do really looks at every aspect that infuses into our energy. Like we often think that we're, we know about our emotional being and our mental being and, uh, you know, our, our intuition. They're the three that we're really familiar with. But we have so many other aspects of our energy that contribute. Our future energy contributes, our past energy contributes, our creativity energy, like the list goes on and on. Welcome to the People Leaders Podcast, the audio resource for managers and business leaders creating high-performing teams. Join leadership and team development experts Jan and Michelle Turkelson each week as they explore both subjects from every angle. Through practical tips, valuable insights, and compelling interviews with leadership experts around the world, you'll learn how to bring out the best in your staff and how to give your best as a leader. Another podcast, another day. That's right. And we've got a great podcast today. Yeah, really looking forward to this one. So we've got a guest speaker and based on the feedback that we've been receiving from our um, subscribers, um, they love the interviews that we do with people and um, the rich information that they supply. And so I want to introduce you to Chris Wildeboer. She is the CEO of Balance Central and she's been nominated for a number of business and charity awards, co-authored a best-selling book and um, Having chatted with her beforehand, I can see why. Uh, In the past 10 years, Chris has worked with clients in the UK, USA, New Zealand, Dubai, Kuwait, uh, and, of course, here in the great land of Oz. And through her programs and workshops, um, she has been able to facilitate multiple um, programs and workshops and, you know, presented globally. So she is a player. Uh, Chris loves to work with leaders and who really under, you know, understand what their outcomes are and she works with teams to achieve um, high-performing teams and that's what we do and I just thought it was interesting just to see the different perspectives that people actually use to create that and she listens to what each person and team member needs and then creates a space and so we're going to um, deep dive into a little bit of that. So welcome on board, Chris. It is such a pleasure to be part of this podcast. Thanks, guys. It's awesome to be here. Yeah, I'm uh, looking forward to it. Um, As I said before, we had a bit of a a, a discussion a little while ago and um, it just, you know, you know when you connect with people and they have a similar set of, you know, like values and um, the way in which they approach their work and, yeah, you are so, yeah, one of them. So, yay. All right, so tell us a little bit about um, who you mainly work with. To be really succinct, it's anyone who feels that they are a leader. And that's in a very different context. We often default leaders to someone who's in management. But leaders can be seen as a sole business owner. You know, you have to lead yourself. You may not be leading people behind you, but you have to lead yourself. So succinctly, people who see themselves as a leader and yet they feel a bit confused, a little bit hazy about what they need to do next, what needs to come next, what am I supposed to do, and and being almost bombarded by a lot of outside influences. So I really 
like working with leaders who feel a bit hazy. Mm. Okay, so that's an interesting concept because I'm sure, you know, like in that leadership realm, it's you are at the pinnacle, you know, the, the pointy end of the stick. And so part of that is, you know, tapping into what it is going to bring you the next step. So the next question for you then is, so what problems or issues do you help solve with these leaders who are hazy? Well, it's it's really in uh, looking at what they are being influenced by. So really pulling apart the outside influences that are impacting them. And we assume that all impact is good, but it's not always. So it's really about finding out what's impacting them and whether that's being productive or not productive. Yeah, Chris, so, so what, what are the recurring themes that you're finding then in this space? Uh, confusion. Confusion. Yeah. <laughs> right up your alley. Yeah. That people, people just are uncertain. I, I, think, I think that's the, like I see it as confusion because I can hear it when they say things, but I think it's an uncertainty when they're standing in a meeting and they want to feel exceptionally confident in what they're about to say and present. And there's this uncertainness. And it's not self-doubt, but it's not a complete embodiment of exactly what's coming. And that's the most common thing I find. Well, and so if... If somebody would, you know, comes to you and, and they give you that scenario, they paint that scenario that, you know, I'm finding that, you know, I'm just about to step in, into a meeting and I'm not completely sure about what to do, you know, what to say, uh, what sort of tips would you give them or what strategies do you, do you give them? Well, there's so many that can be given and it all actually depends on whether... They are literally five minutes away from walking into the meeting. I can give them one thing. (laughs) And commonly, it's grounding. Now, it sounds a bit cliche, uh, we should be more grounded, but there Mm. is something super powerful about literally standing barefoot on real Mother Earth. Oh, totally, yeah. And coming back into our own selves. And that five minutes before going into a meeting, commonly we are so worried about what everybody else will think that we've gone out of ourselves. Yeah. So grounding in that circumstance is number number one on the list. Mm. If I've got a little bit more time with them, I can hear that that confusion is there and I actually sit down with them for half an hour Literally only half an hour is all it needs, is to, to take, a, take a moment to find out who they are, which is the longer version of grounding, yeah. who they are, where their energy is driving them from. So I just mm. want to, like, I, I, it's not about what they're expressing, but what's kind of coming in from behind them? Where is their energy, where do they get their energy from? And when we tune back into that, that provides a greater grounding for our own selves and who we are. So I really pull apart who who are they 
And when I remind them about who they are, well, I don't remind them, they remind themselves through conversation. Mm -hmm. People start to go, oh, that's what I need to do. So they find their own answers simply by being reminded about who they are. Yeah. That, you know what, that sounds like a superpower, actually, Chris, because that, that, is, that, that is such a wonderful gift to give to someone. Um, so, so I suppose that leads me to asking you, could you describe what your superpower is? Because it sounds it's sort of in that realm. It is a little bit in that realm. I, I articulate my superpower as being able to hear what people don't say. Oh, fabulous. Don't you love that? Yeah. <laughs> I'm writing that down. <laughs> oh, that's exactly what I said, Michelle, yeah. when I first talked to Chris when she said that. <laughs> yeah, it's, and it's a funny way to articulate it because it takes a little bit for your conscious mind to get around that yeah. idea. Yeah. Because how on earth can I hear what people don't say? Because don't you just hear what people say? But it yeah. takes it beyond effective listening. Yeah. Because effective listening is being able to really hear what people are saying. But to go a bit beyond that and to kind of hear what's in the gap. You know, yeah. if somebody makes a statement that says, oh, that's what I always want. Oh, no, wanted. It's like there's a gap mm. between, well, it, it just went from present tense to past tense. What is that gap? Mm. And, and being able to pull that apart. That's actually um, what I can do is I can hear that, that gap. That's a wonderful gift to offer people, Chris. You, you must be an amazing coach. Yeah, look, um, I, I, I'm an amazing listener. Yeah. Um, I find I don't coach much, though, because mm. I'm not qualified as a coach. So I... I I like to step into really who I am rather than giving myself a label of yeah. coach. Yeah. And people will sit on the other side of me and go, oh, Chris, you're a coach, really. You really need to own that. <laughs> and, and yet that's only their perspective. That's right, yeah. I, the reason I don't own the coach label is because that is not what I will be for everyone. Mm -hmm. sometimes I will be a safe space. Yes. Sometimes I will be a listener. Sometimes I'm the person that will just sit there and just be there for 20 minutes for someone to just go, I just need to breathe. Mm. There is no coaching involved in that. So I can't, I, I, I don't coach. I just oh, oh, that is masterful coaching actually. You know, when you can hold a space for someone and not actually have to drive them forward towards a goal or something. I, and, you know, Jan and I have often talked about, so what is, you know, masterful coaching? And it sounds, you know, based on my definition, um, that, is, that is a wonderful gift to, to offer your clients. Mm. Actually, I've got, I've got another question, Chris, about your decision-making model. We came across this on, on LinkedIn and I think it's fascinating because we are all about providing our community with tools um, to, you know, be a better leader uh, on themselves or for others. Could you just share a little bit about your decision-making model? Sure. The, the, it's called the next step. Mm -hmm. And 
just as a little bit of a background for me, I am such a methodical type of individual. I just take the tiny little micro step every single day to achieve the next thing that I don't even know what that next thing is. So I've learned over the years that my greatest offering is who I am. That's what I need to offer to the world, not what someone else has created or... <laughs> what I'm supposed to look like or anything else. It's just who am I and how do I take the who I am and and offer it in some kind of practical way. And that's why I called it the next step because that's all I do is I take the next little, sometimes it's the step of a big toe, it's really that small. Mm. I just what is that next thing that I can do to make sure that I can get to the next minute and even in my early days, that was how I survived. Now I make it much more than survival. I make it very enhancing, but it's still all about taking the next step. So I wanted to give it a way for people to identify who they were and allow them to know that there's just one step they need to take. Mm. There's not a hundred. Yeah. Those hundred will automatically come, but if we can just take what is our personal next step, then we get outcomes. So how can people tap in to what is the next step? Because there's a, you know, a hundred different ways in which we can step, yeah? And is it an intuitive gut response or is there a series of questions or is it like following enthusiasm? How do we do that? Yeah, um, great question. The next step is based on an acronym that is DEEP. So D is for discovery. So there might be some people that are very enthusiastic about discovery type of energy. Then E for embracing. And there's people that are exceptionally enthusiastic about embracing, literally. Then we have essentials. So essentials is as people that are very enthusiastic about getting down to what is the detail, what is that, what, what's the necessary thing? Mm -hmm. And then P for perceptive. So those people that can perceive what's ahead mm. and they're very enthusiastic about sharing with you exactly what's ahead. <laughs> um, and all of those energies have enthusiasm. And so it is about knowing where your enthusiasm is. So that is a bit of gut knowledge mm -hmm. and a little bit of well, where is my enthusiasm in life? So that st starts to identify who you are. Mm. So um, who are you, Chris? What, what, which one are you? I sit in the perceptive. Right, okay, right. So I run, uh, so it's typical perceptive individual, highly analytical. I run scenarios in my head at least 20 scenarios for any given task yep. to ensure that I have it all covered before I can see where it might play out and then I'm all good for where it'll play out because I've got 20 scenarios to draw on. So I've already decided all where it'll play out because I've already run them all. Right. And as far as um, the individuals that you've worked with, are, is there a, a, a dominance in any of those, you know, that more people are discovery or are you finding that it's a, an even spread? I find that most people are actually in discovery that I work with. Right. 
However, I would say that that has not got a lot to do with where most leaders sit. It's just the people that I have to most work with mm. because I'm perceptive and my next step is discovery. So I am having to constantly learn and grow into discovery. So I automatically attract that into my capacity to teach mm. and educate because that's part of what I need to learn. Mm. So, so I, I regularly work with people who are highly creative, always got great ideas, just don't quite know where to take it. And interestingly, I get to take them to a step that is not even related to me, but they are the people that I work with, but more because of who I am mm. rather than all leaders sit in discovery because leaders sit everywhere. I'm a leader. I'm in perceptive. Um, there are a lot of very, very good leaders down in the essential. They just get on with it. Yeah. They're great. Yeah. And then there's leaders that just love people and they embrace everyone around them. They embrace <laughs> everything. Yeah. There are leaders in all of those areas. It's not about where is the best leader. It's just knowing who you are and what your next step is. So, Chris, if someone's listening to this podcast now and they're in this discovery, I'm a little bit uncertain or confused I, and it could be around a career move or it could be around a team member that they're leading that you, they just don't know what to do. Is it to give them feedback, pull them into the office and have a conversation or what to do? What could you give them to take the next step? There's a question that they can ask themselves. What am I willing to include in my job? What am I willing to include in my life? What am I willing to include in that conversation? What am I willing to include as the outcome for that meeting? The key there is willing to include. Mm. Yeah. That would move somebody from feeling hazy in discovery and being able to embrace because that's the, the the willing to include is all to do with embracing. And I suppose the willingness is it, you're not being told. There is this sense of that I am in control and choice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And variety. Yeah. Yeah, because in a discovery energy, variety is key. There has to be a variety of options available. Right. And for someone um, who asks that question and then comes up with an answer, do you find that they then second-guess themselves and what do you say to those people? When that happens, and it does happen because mm. we're human. Mm. So we actually, the, one of the reasons we second-guess is we don't believe that it could be that simple. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> So, because we put all this other emotion into it, so why would one sentence actually break us out of that enormity? Mm. So when that happens, I come back to why. Because the why is the centre of everything. So if they're hesitating on their answer around what they're willing to include, go why? Because what they're 
probably decided that they're willing to include hasn't got a strong enough why. So mm. we need to come back to, all right, so if that's not strong, what else are you willing to include? What's the why for that one? And we just keep tightening that circle yeah. until someone just knows it and away they go. Right. Yeah, there is something powerful about the art of questioning, isn't it? You know, getting to the source of um, an issue. And speaking of getting to the source, what do you do to actually connect to your source and your energy? You know, seeing that you're giving so much out to other people, what do you do, Chris? I do a variety of things. I, um, I do the standard, what I would call the mandatory keeping myself on an even keel. Good food hydration, good sleep, like seriously, 101. Yeah. Um, however, I, I, I incorporate a variety of things into my day to allow me to function effectively for everywhere I need to show up. So I have a, this will sound a bit bizarre, but I have, I, I love doing jigsaws. It satisfies mm. my need to put things together. <laughs> And, of course, in my perceptive energy, I love it because I know what the outcome will be. And then I get to put all the little details together. So what that does is it actually feeds my own energy to allow me, like it boosts me. Um, I have a daily routine for my own energy system and I also have a weekly routine for that same energy system. And I make sure that I do what I offer my clients yeah, because I just do it on steroids and I, and, and with a level of intensity that I do not enforce on my clients at all. But so I give us an like, example. Well, I am clearing my energy system on a daily basis. <coughs> I would maybe offer that to my clients maybe on a weekly basis mm -hmm. at the most. Um, I then do another process that takes about an hour on myself once a week that potentially a client will have a full session with me weekly, but it's usually fortnightly is, is a kind of easier approach. Um, but I live and breathe this. So mm. for me to be offering solutions from an energy perspective which everything I offer does have energy filtered through it mm. I have to be an elite athlete at it mm. like I can't I, I've had this work that I do that I offer my clients directly I've had this in my back pocket for 20 years mm. but until I started incorporating it into my literal everyday mm could not offer it to anyone else because I didn't have, I didn't know what it was. I, mm. I, I didn't know, like I can't say to a client, oh, yes, this would be good for you to do weekly if I'm doing it whenever I feel like it. Yeah. So I, it has to be that I um, uh, am, am the elite individual in what I offer for others. So I'm constantly feeding myself more information. So, Chris, when you talk about um, clearing your energy and we talked about grounding at the very beginning of the discussion, is that what you're talking about, like using that as a process or is it like a meditation or? 
Yeah, look, it goes a lot, a lot further. I, that grounding example was really as a phone call that someone's got, you know, and five minutes later they've got oh, to do something. Yeah. The work I do really looks at every aspect that infuses into our energy. Like we often think that we're, we know about our emotional being and our mental being and, uh, you know, our, our intuition. They're the three that we're really familiar with. But we have so many other aspects of our energy that contribute. Our future energy contributes. Our past energy contributes. Our creativity energy, like the list goes on and on. Mm. And so the process that I use is less about grounding and more about ensuring that all of those areas work well together. Mm. So, so grounding is something that can be a really quick, um, okay, I'll just, I've, I'd liken it to if you feel thirsty, you're already dehydrated. So you take a glass of water and you feel a bit better for a little while. But are you fully hydrated? No. Mm. Because you really should have got it before you were feeling thirsty. Sure. Yeah, so, that's a symptom. Yeah. So then what energetically what I'm doing is ensuring that those two litres of water were already consumed beforehand so mm. that the energy or the system can show up fully hydrated, fully functioning mm. when it needs to. So it's really about working everything in together and making sure everything is assimilated and aligned and working as a whole. Fantastic, Chris. I mean, Jan and I always talk about energy and before we've got a big proposal or a presentation to give, we make sure that our energy is at its best, at its peak. Um, so, yes, you're speaking our language. Yeah. So, so, Chris, I wanted to just talk about um, people who are in a team because you actually work with leaders and team members can you give us an insight into what do you think is the common issue for teams who are in dysfunction or are being challenged at the moment? What do you usually find? The most common thing I see is living up to the expectations of the position they're in is right. the problem. So is this team members? Yep. Right. Now, and is this because of skill or because of the culture or... Yes, yes. Right, okay. Yes. All right. It's, it's, right. it's all of it. And it's one of the reasons why I like to work with the individual within the team rather than the team as a whole because I love the detail of the individual and want to get them as aligned as possible, which then if the next person is as aligned as possible, then suddenly everybody starts to work really, really well together. Mm. Not, that the, not that a big-picture approach is wrong, it's just not who I am, what, like what my best contribution is. Yeah. So, so I think teams benefit from all of those four areas of being able to discover who they are on a big picture and what's the big aim and embracing everyone and who they are and, and accepting all of that and then looking at what really needs to get done, using this deep thing again, and then knowing who we all are and looking at that analytical sort of side and, and analysing where we all need to fit together. Every team needs all of those aspects yeah. 
I just personally, through Balance Central, bring a little bit more individualism approach right. to the team. Because I suppose a team is only as good as the, um, the um, least performing member. Do you know what I mean? And it's kind of like, you know, building it up from that point. Um, okay, so, Chris, what are you working on at the moment? Like, are you still working on your decision-making model or is it kind of like have you tied a bow around that? I don't know if I ever completely <laughs> tie a bow. But it is certainly at a point that I am working with people directly with it and I'm, I am, um, you know, there's always tweaks going on. Every conversation I have about this model defines it a little bit more, makes it makes it um, in a position that I can articulate it just that little bit better. Mm. Um, and then what happens for me is that every person I'm in front of, it gets described a little differently because it's for them. Yeah. So, so it's never going to be finished because I've not finished having all the conversations with all the people that need to know about it. But I am, um, I, so it's, it's an ongoing, but I just build, you know, I, I seem to have a bit of a track record now of developing a program, intensely focusing on it for a couple of years, building another one, focusing on that for a few years, building the next one. So this one's about nine months in. So it's got a bit of focus left. <laughs> got a bit of juice. Yeah, yeah great. Right. Oh, it sounds wonderful. I love the whole concept and the fact that there are four levels, which um, we I, we can see a, a, such a clear correlation in between, um, you know, like uh, Carl Jung's psychological typing. Um, so, Michelle, have you got a, a question for Chris before we wrap up? Well, yeah, the best place to find you, Chris. Uh, my website is always the best, balancecentral.com.au. But also I am more than happy to connect with people on LinkedIn. I love playing on there. It's been my favourite networking little environment for the last nine months or so. And I love it because I'm a little bit introverted, so I get to kind of just be in my house and still be networking <laughs> with people. Yeah. It's a little bit selfish of me, but... Um, but I do like the intelligent conversations that seem to go on on that platform. So Chris Wildeboer, search for me. I'm the only one with a bit of a blue streak in my hair on my profile photo, so I'm pretty easy to spot. <laughs> um, and, and I do like connecting because then it leads to awesome conversations like with you guys. Oh, I know, we connected on LinkedIn. And that's a really good tip too, Chris, for people who perhaps are a little bit more introverted but, but do have something of value to offer. And that's what I've noticed about your posts. You actually do um, offer some quality uh, content and that actually allows people to think and reflect and maybe just take that time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that thinking and reflecting is, I can't escape it. That's just what I offer. <laughs> <laughs> Good on you. Um, okay, thank you so much, Chris. Um, thank yeah, you, so Chris. We really encourage everyone to, you know, jump on LinkedIn and connect with, um, uh, with you. And um, we are looking forward to seeing this, um, your next step model just kind of explode because, yeah. yeah, it's a great right. model. Yeah, we love great. our models, don't we, Shell? Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Thank, thank you both for having me. Okay. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, See ya. Bye. Bye. 
We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the People Leaders Podcast. For show notes and other resources, please visit us at peopleleaderspodcast.com. While you're there, you can subscribe for future episodes so you can continue your own leadership journey. And please be sure to share this and other episodes with your friends and colleagues. The People Leaders Podcast is brought to you by the Experts On Air Podcast Network.